Right. Although I still think I probably look like a bit of a numpty. Anyway. Welcome back to Coach Class with me, Don Birch. This is the podcast where I get to speak to inspirational leaders and coaches from across the globe. And I'm absolutely delighted this week to be joined by Andy Clark. Now, Andy is the former chief exec of Asda. Uh, he's currently chair of, well, not just chair of one company, he's been chair of multiple people since he left Asda. Uh, it's an absolute delight, Andy, to welcome you on to Coach Class. Yeah, nice to speak to you, Tom. It's been a while. Has been a while, has been a while. Now, we worked together at Asda probably for about 10 years, six of which you were chief exec. But before we go on to that bit, take me back to... You know, because I guess you famously left school without loads and loads of qualifications and got into retail quite early. What was that? What was that start point for you? Because it set you on this amazing journey to lead one of the biggest retailers in the country. Goodness, yeah. Well, I think I spent far too much time on the sports field uh, while I was at school. So um, I failed everything. In fact, I came out with um, one O-level in English, which... Um, Probably wasn't a surprise to my teachers um, because I didn't spend as much time in the classroom as I should have done. I remember the conversation with my father who said to me, he was a policeman and was, you know, great man. Um, but he said to me, what are you going to do? You're going to go back to school. You're going to get a job because if you continue playing sport, then forget it. And so I said, well, I think I better get a job. And I was very fortunate, I guess, that I had been sort of doing a part time job whilst at school in a supermarket. And I knocked on the store manager's door, a guy called Dennis Lever. And I sort of said to him, I told him the story. I said I failed my exams and was he prepared to give me a job, uh, a full-time job? Um, and he did. Well, I guess I never looked back. You know, I you know, think about those days at the, ages, at the age of 17. And, you know, I thought, God, if I could aspire to becoming a supervisor, that would be great. And I just found that I'd got, a, um, I guess, a bent for, uh, for supermarket retailing. You know, Dennis Lever... You know, I've got a lot to be thankful to him for giving me that chance. And it sort of lived with me all the way through my career, thinking about, you know, how do you give somebody else that opportunity when sometimes, you know, things are against them, but give them a chance because, you know, I think everybody deserves the opportunity to do something, you know, well. And, um, and he certainly gave me that opportunity. And I guess, you know, having been in a sport and rugby was your game, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I still love it now. You know, anything that stopped me at the age of 50 was that I had a fairly serious injury, which it's interesting that the doctor said I could go back and play. But I thought at 50, it's probably time to hang your boots up and start watching a bit more than playing. But yeah, absolutely <laughs> love it. That competitive spirit. And also, I think that there's a discipline and respect in rugby. You don't get in every sport. That's always been something that I've felt really passionate about. That, you know, on the sport, sporting field or in business, there's a huge amount of similarities between the competitive nature of, of industry and on the sports field. And uh, yeah, rugby was certainly you know, my passion, but I love watching all sport. And, and it was that discipline and respect bit I was going to pick up on, actually, because you know, the thing about joining retail, and it could be retail as in serving in McDonald's or, or retail as you know, stacking a shelf in a supermarket, the, the need to be able to turn up on time, to look respectable, to be able to talk to customers, to be able to you know, do things diligently well and consistently, those skills, you know, that grounding that you get by having that Saturday job or that first taste of real, you know, the real world, 
you know, serves you so well, doesn't it? And, and you used to see it, didn't you, when, when we were bringing in young people or trying to do, you know, employment schemes for, for, for kids coming out of school. It, it, I sort of think of it a little bit like, you know, kids in East London who get the chance to go boxing. They're sort of given this real opportunity to see how hard work and, and a bit of discipline and focus can, like, really pay dividends. You work on the basis that, you know, nobody's a bad person. You know, nobody wants to come and do a bad job at work. Very few people that sit in that box. So giving people an opportunity, and I've I've continued to do a lot of work with the Prince's Trust, and, you know, it's another fantastic organisation. You know, well, whilst I was at Asda and other places, actually, you know, I've always felt passionate about this sort of apprenticeship programme, getting people started, you know, giving them a chance to start a career. I mean, I still wear a tie now when I go to a meeting. Um, it's interesting, even on through lockdown where um, we've all started getting used to, you know, staring at a screen and having a, a, um, a meeting remotely. I started off wearing a shirt and tie when I was having meetings because I thought it was the appropriate thing to do. It's that sort of instilled discipline that I had about, you know, what you should wear um, to a meeting. And, you know, even since then, I've, you know, we've started meeting up in, in, um, in person now. Um, some of those old disciplines have, have, have stuck with me. And I think that, for young people of today and for everybody, it needs a bit of structure in their life. And if you can help those you know, men and women starting out in their um, careers with a bit of structure, then it can only help. And it certainly did with me. You know, and I know that's going back a long way, you know, 40 odd years, which couldn't me. It's gone in an instant. Um, then, you know, those early disciplines that I you know, learned in, Fine Fair, which was the, the company I started with, with Dennis Lever, or, you know, more latterly in my executive career, whilst I was working with some great people in the Asda business. I mean, that was a, was a fantastic brand that, you know, had to spend a lot of time developing people and, you know, probably like you, was, was fortunate to work with some great people along the way. And I think of some of those days, you know, that sort of era has been a real golden moment in in Asda's sort of, you know, many years, 50, 60 years. What is it you miss about those those days or miss about retail? Because I guess there is something magic, isn't there, about being on the shop floor? And I remember being on a store tour with you in Sheffield. And apart from, you know, that old joke about every time the chief exec turns up, you know, the smell of emulsion was like, you know, blinding, wasn't it? Because they feel the need to make sure it's spick and span. But the thing I really noticed was the sort of glow in people's eyes when Andy Clark was in town. Because you did have a rapport, didn't you, with colleagues on the shop floor? You were a bit of a, you know, you'll be embarrassed to hear it, but you were a bit of a rock star to them. You had a real affinity, didn't you? You could talk to people and you were one of them, even though you were at top of the tree. God, you make me feel a bit emotional, Dom. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, um, yeah, I mean, I think working with people is something that um, I've always loved. And if you think about the way my career unfolded so starting you know really at the grassroots you know stacking shelves pushing trolleys mopping loos and then working through the different organizations that I um, had the privilege of working with and then in the you know my latter you know years um, in Asda you know for you know a good period of time you know having you know that fantastic position which you know others have had but to lead an organization like that I still love doing I do the shopping and I haven't yet dropped into the to the online camp as much as uh, you know as many of many other people have because I just love walking around shops. <laughs> um, my wife thinks it's a bit sad, um, but I just you know there's something about um, 
you know, the people that work in the retail industry that is, I think it's very special. And it doesn't matter whether it's food, fashion, general merchandise, then, you know, um, it's something that's always made me feel um, particularly proud to be a part of. And no matter how big online businesses become, there'll always be a place for that sort of community spirit, that teamworking environment that happens in, in retail that doesn't happen in many other industries. Probably hospitality is the only other one, and that's had its challenges for the last 12 months. I, I would say I do miss now. You know, I'm working with a number of different businesses, as you said earlier, earlier on, and, you know, that still leads me to spend time in stores, which I you know, I relish when I do. You were a massive supporter and advocate, weren't you, of taking colleagues over to Bentonville, Arkansas, you know, part of the Walmart organisation, and they used to have this shareholder event, which really wasn't a shareholder event, was it? It was a 15,000 people strong jamboree over five days. And there were people who were going on the plane for the first time, maybe didn't even have a passport before they got that opportunity on behalf of Asda to go and represent their store over in this like amazing event, wasn't it, where there were people from all, all around the world. I mean, those sorts of moments, although when you experienced it firsthand, it was almost impossible, wasn't it, not to get carried away with just the sheer scale. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's one of the, I think, the great um, parts of Walmart is that culture. And there's lots of misunderstood beliefs about the organisation from outside. And, you know, you get this... Um, event that happens once a year and you know in the early days of the the acquisition by walmart we'll take 250 people plus to bensonville as you say you know some of those people have never been on a plane before let alone go to the states and for a week we'd be getting them up at five in the morning and spending all day seeing different parts of of bensonville whether it was where the sam walton first store was or whether it was watching rod stewart perform on stage you know it was you know, the whole week was an incredible cultural journey. And as I say, you know, for people who don't understand it, then it's easy to sort of to have a pop at the the way in which it worked. But for those colleagues that went, you know, it was an unbelievable experiential journey. And I don't think I've ever spoken to a colleague that had been that didn't say it changed their life in some way. And that sounds quite a big statement. And it's, you know, not intended to sort of sound like that. But, it, you know, it's... It changed the way they thought about what they did. You know, what was their purpose? Um, it was an unbelievable event. And to then, as chief executive, you had the the exec team. We'd, we'd go and present on stage in front of the thousands of people that attended. I mean, for me personally, it was a you know incredible experience. You know, not many people would you know have the opportunity to stand in front of fifteen thousand people. And I can tell you, it's a nerve wracking experience, <laughs> but a wonderful. A wonderful, um, you know, learning um, process. That thing of knowing that Mariah Carey was coming on any minute now was just like, it was always, it was like you had to pinch yourself, didn't you? It's five in the morning, I'm in the middle of a massive baseball arena and Mariah Carey's about to walk on stage after me. Well, I remember, you know, we did a presentation, um, you know, um, to the international team, which at that point, let's say it was 10,000 people. We'd got keen. Keen came and performed on stage with us. And it was all part of the you know, experience of it. It was all about the UK, about Britain and, you know, what we stood for, our values and what the company was doing. And, yeah, Keen came and um, and did a couple of tracks on stage. And it was that sort of power of the event brought, you know, people together from all over the world. And as I say, for the, for the Asda team, a lot of those colleagues hadn't um, travelled abroad before. But, you know, think about the guys coming from Colombia or 
I'd say Central America or, you know, from Africa, you know, the, the, the mass mart business. A lot of those colleagues have definitely not been outside of, of um, their African countries. And, um, you know, it's an amazing experience to see all those, you know, colleagues, you know, working together, you know, having just a wonderful experience and learning, of course, about the foundation of the company and how it started. I want to talk a little bit about values because my sense is you're a, you know, you're a values driven person. And I think a lot of people who worked at Asda really, you know, had a shared set of beliefs and a shared set of values. And there was a moment in my career where, you know, I was your PR and we're in London and it didn't quite go to plan. Let's just say the headline the following morning wasn't the one that I wanted to wake up and see on my, uh, on my Blackberry. And I remember feeling that feeling of just wanting to put my head in the sand. I didn't even have the balls to ring you up. I kind of thought, oh God, how am I going to, how am I going to face you actually? Because I just felt like I'd mucked up, you know, I'd made a big mistake. And I remember the, when we did come into contact, it was over at the MCE and there was a big event on you presenting and you just caught my eye and you just gave me a bit of a wink and then you kind of friendly clip round a year. And it was like, I knew from that reaction, you said, don't worry about it. Shit happens. That, that really left an important imprint on me that you chose to handle that situation in that way. All of us in any industry, you know, things happen, don't they? Good things and bad things. And, you know, I think choosing your attitude, you didn't intend it to go wrong. Just so happened that the interpretation of the person writing the article took it a certain direction. Well, you know, wasn't going to do you any favours if I was to take a different attitude than I did. So for you and I, it was both a huge learning process. That whole, you know, I'll tell you what, it's lived with me for the whole of my career since in terms of thinking about how you manage um, journalists. You know, we both learn from it. Hopefully you learned something from it and it it um, helped you to become more aware of the impact that some external organisations can have. Where do you get your energy from, Andy? Right, you're you're you've got you were just telling me off air. You've got seven children now, and congratulations, by the way, on your pandemic latest arrival. Um, you <laughs> know, <and> Tom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, you've got this insatiable appetite, I guess, to keep on, you know, working and doing and 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 being a father. Where where is it that you reach for to get your energy? Because it's been tough, hasn't it, working remotely and through this pandemic and and all the rest of it. But where where do you, where is it you get your where do you get your get up and go from? You know, I think I've always had it. You know, say, you know, at, um, in my school days, I didn't come out with a whole load of examinations, but I was captain of the water polo team, captain of the rugby. Always had that feeling of wanting to lead teams and drive a different result. And so, you know, I think that's part of it. Uh, not many people know this, but and it's not meant to be a sad story, though it probably sounds a bit. I lost. I've got two brothers, and we lost our mother when we were pretty young. So, dad brought us up, and I think that. I watched how hard he worked to keep the family together and to, you know, create a, a, a real purpose for us all. My first job before Fine Fair, I, you know, I used to work for Trust House 40, you know, just doing a few hours a week, mopping loos, clearing tables, working with some great people. And, you know, and, you know, that sort of gave me the aspiration to, you know, keep going, do more. And now, you know, I'm 57, I'm working for a number of different businesses helping them on their journey. Um, I'm still involved in the Prince's Trust. I you know, love that whole focus on developing people and you know, making a difference. You know, I've got two sons and five daughters. And you know, they're all at different stages, of course, because they've got a fair age range. And you know, I love to see their successes and what they're doing. So that gives me you know, energy that, that you know, keeps, keeps me going. So 
you know, I think I can't imagine retiring, to be honest, you know, and that's not just because I've got a young family. I just think, you know, you retire, what are you going to do? Go and play golf all day, um, you know, or <laughs> sit and read all day. I mean, God, deal, do my head, you know, you know, I'm a, you know, I think that I'm one of those characters who loves to be involved in doing stuff. But I think it's, if I went right back to the grassroots, it's those very early days in my, so when I was 11 and, you know, watching the family values that um, my father instilled, giving us that energy to succeed. It didn't ha- happen academically, but it, you know, it sort of lit the fire, lit the, the blue touch paper in those early days that gave me the energy to want to do a lot more. And goodness me, in my wildest dreams, would I have believed that I could have led an organisation of 150,000 people, not in a million years, but, you know, what a fantastic privilege I had. By the sound of it, you've got a pretty big to-do list there, and it might even just be changing <laughs> changing nappies today, but it's been an absolute pleasure catching back up with you, Andy. It's been brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming on Coach Class and sparing me the time. It's, it's a great pleasure. Yeah, great to hear from you, Don. Talk soon. Thank you.